friends. Welcome to Historical AF. I'm Kina. And I'm Taya. We are two history podcasters here to deliver some weird and funny historical invention nuggets you never knew you needed in your ear holes. This is Inventions Part 3. Woohoo! I'm so excited you're here. <laughs> Me too. I'm so excited. <laughs> so tell everybody about your podcast. So I am Taya, the TK for uh, four. <laughs> From- <laughs> Words are hard. Words are hard. <laughs> so my podcast is For the Love of History. And in the podcast, I refer to myself as TK because when I started it, I thought I was cool. on for the love of history we talk about women's history world history and weird history it's just me talking to you for about 20 or 30 minutes pretty hilarious or at least my mom tells me i am moms would not lie about that right moms would never lie especially not mine (laughs) (laughs) so my podcast is pretty digestible little nuggets for your ear holes because that's my new favorite thing ever and uh you know if you're doing dishes you could listen to my podcast. It fits into pretty much anybody's commute. So I would uh, go go take a listen. It's pretty good. Yes, <laughs> I highly recommend. And you're in the future. It is Thursday at almost 11 o'clock here in Japan. That's insane. Still hanging out in Texas Wednesday night, you know. About to have a tornado, apparently, but we're going to just podcast through it, you know. Just yeah. hopefully my house stays where it is and we'll be fine. As long I'm- as you have electricity, we're fine. <laughs> Committed. <laughs> If we have electricity, I'll just take this to the closet. We'll just move apart. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody that doesn't have tornadoes are probably like, what the hell? You go in a closet? Ew. I was born in Kansas. Oh, and, wow. Uh, you get it then. Yes, I get it. And I was, <laughs> in fact, born during a tornado. There was a oh. tornado off in another county. And then because of that tornado, there was flooding that happened. So my poor mother couldn't get to like the hospital. And so oh, no. we went to a small hospital like a little clinic hospital and that's where i was born and i didn't get the chicken pox vaccination because they just didn't have it oh wow well Fun i didn't fact. have it either because i'm old Did you? but <laughs> <laughs> i don't think they had that in the 80s <laughs> i'm from the time of chicken pox parties <laughs> Oh my God, were those yeah. real? <laughs> yeah, in my school, they just let you play together. And so everybody, they would just shut the school down once we all had it. It was crazy. I just ate chicken pox. I love it. Yeah, them. back in the day. <laughs> so far, <laughs> back in the Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad I got it because I know people that have gotten it as adults and it's awful. So it's like shingles, right? Not Ew. great. Nope. No, no thank thanks. You. I mean, I know I can still get shingles. I think they have a vaccine for that now. I should probably get that. That's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Just get just all the vaccines now. <laughs> COVID has made me look at vaccines differently. I just want them all now. I'm just like, same me up. I'm right. ready. Every it's year. Just, Body is ready. <laughs> I don't see the problem. <laughs> like same. if I need a booster for this, sign me up right now incredibly jealous in japan only one percent of the population has been vaccinated it's oh, a shit no. show over here oh yeah i didn't know and, that uh, and so i'm a teacher at so number one i'm a, a foreign person living in japan so mm-hmm. that puts me at the bottom of the list yeah. and then i'm also a teacher at a private school so i'm like bull like i'm the last person to get a vaccine in japan wow. so, yeah i was wondering i didn't know how much different it was 
So I got mine a while ago. So I was really, really, really lucky. But I know oh, people are just good. scrambling to go to CVS and stuff, but they just don't have any spots. It's Mm-mm. it's infuriating. Yeah. It is it infuriating. Really is. Yeah. I would like to go home and visit my family. <laughs> that, yeah. would, that would be cool. If you can get the vaccine, please do. Please, 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 please get please. it. There's get so it many people that can't get it, either yes. for medical reasons or they're allergic. So mm-hmm. they're depending on us for herd immunity. Yes. So we have to take care of our community. And it's it's just so scary. So please, please. Yeah. Please, please. Not for yourself, for everybody else. And yeah. especially for me. So I can go back to America. It's been a year yeah, and right. a half that I haven't seen any mm. of my family. Right. And- I'm just everybody and I want to go see our family. Yes. I got a plane ticket and I'm terrified, but I'm excited. So Yay. <laughs> just being in a tin can, you know. But yeah, your flight would be long. A 24 hour travel time from, yeah, yeah, yeah. from where I am to uh little old Idaho. <laughs> yeah, that's a long flight. It that's... is, it is indeed. Uh, and how long have you been podcasting? I had my one year anniversary on April 1st on April Fool's Day because, again, past Taya thought it would be a great idea just in case it didn't work out. I could be like, April Fool's, I really didn't start a podcast. (laughs) That's actually brilliant. (laughs) I always have an out. Well, I'm glad I found you. I love the Little History Podcast community. Everybody has been so cool and so fun. I just have the best time. Samesies. And like meeting so many people cool people being able to talk to people that have my same interests because my I have two best friends love them more than life itself but they were getting to the point where they're like I'm gonna need you to not talk about this anymore nobody (laughs) cares and I was like "Ah, there are people who care I'm sure there are (laughs) I relate to that on in my soul that's the whole reason this started because my husband was like you need an outlet that is not me (laughs) Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. My husband too. So he's Japanese, so I'll be like talking to him about something, and he doesn't know about American history. Like, do you know about Japanese history unless you studied that? Like, mm-hmm. so I'd be talking to him about something, and then halfway through, he'll be like, "You are using all these nouns that I just <laughs> don't understand." <laughs> and I was like, "All right, cool." <laughs> How did you guys meet being in different countries? (laughs) Oh, wow. So I've been living in Japan for about five years. I was like, no dating, no dating. I'm only going to live in Japan for two years. And then after the two years, I was like, okay, one more year. And then three years, I was like, one more year. And then four years, I was like, it's okay to date. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I'm just going to live my whole dreams on Tinder. It's going to be great. I'm just going to hook up with people. And then I think it was like I had only been using it for like a month. And then I found him and I was like, fuck, <laughs> I'm in love. God damn it. <laughs> that is incredible. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> Here we are two years later. <laughs> That's amazing. Got another notification. It's like storm, storm, storm. I got it. It's not even raining yet. Jesus. <laughs> Calm down. We better get to this episode before before the tornado comes. So strap in quite literally, friends, because we're about to dive into the invention of the modern bra. 
Yes. AKA the brassiere over the shoulder boulder holder, the double barreled booby holster, the upper decker <laughs> flopper stopper, the titty tamer, the honky hanker, the knocker locker. <laughs> I could go on forever, but you get the point. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Oh man, I need to focus. All right. So fun <laughs> fact, although some historical accounts might suggest otherwise, the modern bra that we know it today does not have one singular inventor. And it's wild how some people get all the credit when it comes to inventions and then other people get tiny little blurbs because history is just weird like that. So we're going to kind of go through the history of how what we know happened. You go all the way back to the lady bits theme. I mentioned that bras Mm -hmm. are ancient. You know, essentially, as long as the boobs have been uncomfortably floppy, you know, somebody's been looking for a way to strap them down. Right. And if you're a boob haver, then you know the struggle because they're just weighted skin sacks. So if you're doing things like jumping and running and existing, they're painful. So it makes sense that people have this. I have visuals. Okay, please. So shameless plug, join Patreon for all the pictures. So naturally, tatas had to be tamed to get your shit done. So throughout history, these bad bosoms were bouncing no more. (laughs) And how do we know this, right? Art. I love it. So art history, for example, what we're looking at right now. This is a mosaic wall. And it shows women wearing like a band. What is it? Bandeau? Bandeau? Bandeau. Bandeau bra? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times cloth in this era of history probably wouldn't survive. And if it did, they probably didn't realize what it was. So we do know because of these mosaics. And this is from the 4th century. And it shows women lifting weights, playing ball games, throwing a discus. And this was actually found in what they think was a bedroom, which I also find really interesting that they would have like a workout scene in your bedroom. That'd be the last thing I want to see when I wake up. Right. (laughs) A reminder that I need to work out. Do not like. Hard pass. So these bras do look like bands and it looks like it's bindings or like a bikini or they're called the bikini girls. A little bit different than like Maxim or like Sports Illustrated. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So this is very functional. Tighten them down so that you can move around without any problems. And one of my favorite things about history is that sometimes we really, really think we've nailed it. We think we've found the invention. We're confident. And then, bam, new evidence pops up and we have to rewrite everything. So for a really long time, it was agreed that the modern bra was invented in the 19th, 20th century. But in 2008, an excavation in Austria's medieval Lingberg Castle, archaeologists found four linen proto-brassiers and some undies that look really modern, despite being from the 15th century. Right here. Look at that. (gasps) Oh, my God. I mean, that looks like something people could buy today, minus the holes. But yeah. (laughs) I mean, is that a tie on the side? Yeah, it's like a bikini. It looks like you tie. Amazing. It's crazy. And these were found in it. floorboards of a room in the second story of the castle. Whoa. It's wild. Why are you keeping your, your undies secret in the floorboards? <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing? <laughs> exactly. I wonder that too. I don't understand. But they're both made from tabby woven fabric of Z-spun yarn. And there's even evidence of some finger loop lace. So these were meant Ooh. to be pretty. Like, yeah. <laughs> Lacy undies all the way back in the day. <laughs> I know. Medieval. Like who would have so thought? cool. What probably happened, and this happens a lot with a lot of inventions, is that they were invented. People loved them. They were all the rage. And then they went out of style. 
It was out of fashion. People forgot about it. And then it was invented again. Yeah. So essentially, that's what we think. And the Middle Ages gets a really bad rap a lot of time about being all dark and people talk about just how awful it must have been. But some of the Mm -hmm. inventions really slapped, like the printing press in the 15th century, (laughs) coffee houses. Oh, yeah. Oh, coffee, that sweet, addictive nectar of the gods. But it was like a social activity now. So that's exciting. And then you have the heavy plow in Europe for economic development, mechanical clocks. So let's just hashtag normalize, stop shitting on the medieval ages. Right? (laughs) It wasn't all bad. Yeah, yeah. Before this discovery, there were some sources that talked about women wearing breast bags. Really? (laughs) Yes. And historians now believe that this was a satirical description of bras and perhaps bags were the cups. And I've seen like some bras. It looks like a bag holding your boobs up and it goes around your neck. Like the after shower thing. So that's what I'm envisioning. Oh my gosh. Like those towels that have the crunchy thingies. Yeah. They look like bags. That's what I'm envisioning. They do. Same. (laughs) And there were some weird quotes, like one says, quote, there's no gossip in the city about her big breasts, and it just goes on and on about these bags. So I don't, I, as long as boob havers have had boobs, they need something, you know, support. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's probably what it was, but yeah, it leaves yeah. a lot to the imagination, so we're going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> a really cool part of this history is that you can really find out a lot about people based on fashion. Especially mm-hmm. when it comes to cleavage <laughs> and, bre- <laughs> and breast shape and skin showing. It really tells you a lot about the different century, you know, decade that they're yeah. in. And the evolution of cleavage ideals has been really a wild ride. Some styles were very perky breasts that defied gravity. And other mm-hmm. times they were strapped down. So you had no figure. And it changed really fast within decades in some instances. By the 16th century, corsets were now all the rage. RIP rib cages and breathing everywhere. Mm -hmm. This invention marked a change from people wearing clothes to fit their bodies to actually changing the shape of their bodies to fit their clothing. FYI, corsets were around before this. And they're seen even as early as like Minoan figurines in the 1600 BCE era. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those were waist cinchers but the breasts were exposed so it's not necessarily a corset it just looks like one because of course we don't know because they didn't write it down what it was but (laughs) we can assume that's what it was and other cultures use the kind of like a corset but it's for modesty so there's certain tribes Mm -hmm. of the caucuses that would lace corsets really tightly and as many as 50 laces and it would start in childhood and you'd wear it till your wedding night So when the marriage was consummated, the groom had to slowly and carefully undo each lace to demonstrate his self-control. Oh, okay. I I don't like that. I have no words for that. You know, like Princess Bride, or not Princess, like Robin Hood Men in Tight. She has that chastity belt, you know, and it's just like. Yeah, right? Oh, my (laughs) God. Do they wear it the whole time? Like, like, do they never take it off? Because I feel like that could cause some structural, structural, (laughs) structural shit assuming and a lot of cultures if you're alone at night or you're with your family it's okay because i know in some Mm -hmm. cultures especially with like you know head coverings your family is okay and you're Uh if you're in your home that's a safe place for you to be able to you know unveil yourself so i'm maybe like sleeping Mm -hmm. if it's just you and your family but in public you would have to wear it 
That's what I'm yeah. assuming. There'd be no recovering if you didn't get no. to at least a little bit. Or even mu- like, wouldn't your muscles like atrophy? Wouldn't they? Yeah, but if you didn't like take it off and air out the skin, the skin would. <laughs> It, would, it can cause rashes if you sweat. Yeah. It would be like mm-hmm. skin disease. The extreme popularity of the course that came with Catherine de' Medici when she arrived oh. in France from Italy with her banging body. She had married <laughs> King Henry of Orleans, who became King of France. You know, we've heard of him. If you've ever watched that show on CW, what was it? Rain. <laughs> uh, it was so wildly inaccurate, but it was entertaining. <laughs> The women of the French court couldn't resist and saw the corset as, quote, indispensable to the beauty of the female figure. These flattened the tatas and then pushed them up. So a really unnatural shape to the body. But the cleavage, yeah. So it was, if you've ever seen movies like that, so they're like super squished, but then it has like a little bit of rounded at the top that's like touching your Mm -hmm. chin. That was, yeah, that was. Some sources actually claim that she banned thick waist from court. And that seems like a real dick move because that is a real dick move. I wouldn't be able to go to court. Your girl is thick. So, yeah. And you're essentially a baby making machine in any time in history. So, what are you supposed to do? Exactly. (laughs) It just seems really unfair. And I don't appreciate it. No, it's rude. (laughs) Frankly, it's rude. It's very rude. And I don't think I've ever had a thin waist. I don't think, of course, it would save me. But I just can't imagine. And especially if you're pregnant all the time, uh, that just seems like it'd be dangerous. I don't know. It just, I don't, I do not like it. Yeah, you're squishing the baby all up into your organs. Yeah, shoving it way up there. And it was also considered Mm -hmm. mandatory for middle and upper class women to wear Mm -hmm. courses. You can't escape it, but... I mean, my family historically has been super poor, so I think mm-hmm. my ancestors were probably too poor to have to wear one. So. They didn't have the problem of the corsets. <laughs> What's that meme? It talks about, you know, the, the Scottish peasants. It's like your body even is like, don't worry, Lassie, I got you, you know, like pump you up so you can run away from people. <laughs> like, like, it's in my DNA to be a little thick. <laughs> right. So you can escape. <laughs> <laughs> so cleavage was all the rage for women before the Victorian era, where low-cut dresses and bare décolletages were very much vogue. I love that word, décolletage. Décolletage. <laughs> so rich, sophisticated women wore French dresses with low square styles that dipped way to, like, the nipples. So basically, yeah. you're a sneeze away from a nip slip. So, <laughs> like, think French court Marie Antoinette, the square went as far as it possibly could. Your yeah. cup runneth over, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even Literally. imagine. Like, if one popped out, like, how do you even get it back in? It's so tight. I just, I don't. Shove it? I do they do just shove technique? Just <laughs> get all up in there? Or do you come from the bottom? Maybe. Wait, do you come from the bottom to pull it down or from the top to push it in? Yeah, Those I don't know. Those are the questions that I need answers <laughs> to. That's the kind of history book I need. <laughs> And everyone from queens to sex workers wore these styles, and it was completely acceptable for all classes of women to wear these, which I also find really fascinating. Yeah. And, of course, there's, like, super famous women that wore them. So you got Queen Mary II in the 1600s and then Marie Antoinette in the 1700s. She was very fashionable. She had very deep cleavage. I love her for it. And if you ever (laughs) see Versailles has 
a really cool social media presence, but you can see like her collection of shoes and oh, I just love it. <sighs> she's another one of those women in history. I think it's a bad rap because she never yeah. said let them eat cake and it just no. burns me up. <laughs> so before the prude wave of the Victoria era, women's cleavage was seen as a status symbol more than a sexual one. Which is also really fascinating. Yeah. That's how I choose to live my life now. I like cleavage. All my shirts are low cut. So it's a status yeah. symbol, guys. It has nothing to exactly. do with being sexual. I've just always preferred cleavage. <laughs> I think I'm that sure neckline. Yes, I just find those necklines more flattering. I don't know. Exactly. That's just how I roll. We're still in this 350 year or so cycle of really shitastic corsets that have whale bones and steel rods. And it's just <laughs> basically torture. And never forget that these were actually breaking bones and changing the Good shape God. of their bodies and organs. Like these Ew. were displacing organs. Oh my God. Oh, I like my organs where they are. <laughs> yeah. Like women, our bodies are meant to shift in pregnancy. Like, mm-hmm. but not that way. There's no, no. going back after that. And I've seen yeah. pictures and x-rays where they, you know, later in like the, you know, 20th century or so when they show where the organs are and stuff. And it's horrific. I just Ugh. can't imagine how much pain goes into yeah, that. They were in. Have you, this is a weird side note, but did you ever watch the cartoon Invader Zim? I did a little bit when I worked with teenagers at the library. Okay. They were really into it. <laughs> My brother is super into it. And there's this episode where the alien realizes that he doesn't have the same organs as everybody else. So he takes other people's organs and like replaces them with weird things. And that's the first thing that popped into my mind. So uh, anyways, you haven't seen it. It doesn't matter. (laughs) So now we're in the Victorian era. And the Victorians went way opposite directions it was no longer acceptable for women to have that heaving bosom why did you say bosom 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 (laughs) the hills are coming out the tornado i'm thinking i'm back in the hills Uh, (laughs) they just found it completely unacceptable for women to dress like that especially going out to the market or going in town square you needed to be more modest necklines were raised basically turtlenecks They had heavy draped clothing and they still had corsets and they were very rigid, but their entire body shape started changing at this point. Mm. Later in the Edwardian era, corsets kind of refigured the body again and it was more of an S shape. So it kind of filled out that booty. So now that was acceptable to have the big uh, plumes back there and the the bustle. We got a little yeah. dump truck. <laughs> I had a little Edwardian dump truck. <laughs> That's going to be in the title of the episode. <laughs> Edwardian dump truck. Dump truck. A little tangent. When I worked at the Historic mm-hmm. Arkansas Museum, one of the projects I got to work on was doing a activity sheet. So I did fashion in the 19th century. So it was like oh, the nice. difference of the bustle and the corsets and all this stuff. But I made them into coloring sheets. It was so fun. <laughs> I had a lot of fun with that. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> yeah. And they had some great books on the history of fashion and I was just obsessed. But awesome. I got to draw the dresses. It was really fun for me. So mm. that was a great job. Uh, Sadly had to cool. move, but I loved oh. it there. I miss you, Ham. 
So, so even though courses were still raging in the 19th century, things start to change, probably because people had had it with how painful these things are. They're just ridiculously awful. So in 1866, a bra made of silk and wire pops up on the scene in the UK. It's kind of similar to what we have today, but nobody patents it. And then a major milestone occurs in 1889 when the French inventor Hermione Cadot. Oh, I don't know French. Cadol. <laughs> I don't think they have the yet in French, right? That's Spanish. The two L's. Yeah. Yeah. The I don't think I think that's in Spanish. So she presented her corselet gorge, which translates oh. to corset divided in two. And she oh. presented it at the Paris Fashion Exhibition. So she basically just kind of instead of having a uniboob, cuts it. Mm-hmm. So you have two boobs. Oh so, my god, thank good you. for her. Yeah. <laughs> And this bra section was separate from the waist cinching, so it did give you a little bit more shape difference. So it's not just a flat board. It just like mm. super flat and then allowed your boobs to come out a little bit more. So oh it must have been a little bit Bless more comfortable. Her. Bless her. So she said she wanted to make a garment that allowed for functionality because obviously you can't move in these things. They are so painful. And mm-hmm. they also had all those medical implications. People were having serious deformant issues, broken ribs, misalignment of their spine. So, of course, women are like, hell yeah, make me something else. Mm-hmm. And then in 1893, a woman named Marie Tusek patented the breast supporter. This device included separate pockets for breasts, kind of like the, the breast bag. <laughs> the breast bag. And then it had straps that went over the shoulder and then it fastened with a hook and eye closure. So the difference here is that it doesn't cover your whole boobage area. What? Uh, it just kind of goes under and pushes up, but it doesn't cover the nipple. And your nipples are just out? Just yeah. Like, <laughs> nipples out? <laughs> Sun's out, yeah. nips out. That's yes, <laughs> absolutely. So that's her oh invention. But right. it kind of looks like an underwire bra, just missing the top. Yeah. Part. Like it's right. missing the cup. That's kind of <laughs> what it looks like to me. Who needs it? <laughs> that old thing (laughs) who needs a cup we're in the year 2021 we're freeing the nipples in a big way okay well it's true but i guess like the clothing was so thick too that you wouldn't have to worry about you know nipples showing in your clothing yeah so in 1907 vogue began talking about brassieres and then in 1911 the word appeared in the oxford english dictionary for the first time nice And so around 1910, the bazingas were still being cinched really tiny proportions. And Mm. then you have this 19-year-old girl busting up into the scene, and she's fucking had it. Her name was Mary Phelps Jacob, and she's getting ready to go to a debutante ball. Can't relate. Never got to go to one of those. I am nothing fancy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not that kind of Southern. (laughs) (laughs) And she just had it with a corset. She had this really nice dress, and she just wanted to breathe. But... Also, the corset was really bulky, and when she wore it underneath that dress, you could see it. It was, you know, mm-hmm. hurting the form of it, and then with the neckline, you could see it poking out, and she was just like, fuck it, mm-hmm. and she's like, hey, you, which was probably her maid because she's going to a debutante ball. She's super right. rich, and uh-huh. she asked them to bring some handkerchiefs and some ribbon and then grab her sewing kit. So she starts sewing together the handkerchiefs like triangles and then puts the ribbon, and it's like a little bra, just like a little bralette. Kind of like what you did, girl. I love this quote. She says, It was delicious. I can move more freely and nearly naked feeling. (laughs) Oh, delicious naked feeling. (laughs) 
She's 19, too. That's a, well, that's a weird thing to say about a brawl, but I'm here for it. Yeah, right? So then she goes to this ball, and she's rocking this new figure, because obviously her dress is fitting better, her shape Uh has changed, and people are into it. Everybody notices, and they probably swarmed her like you do at parties, and be like, girl, where'd you get that? (laughs) Tell me where you got this Tell me. And of course, everybody's like, I need one. And she's like, I got you. So she starts making them for her friends. And then she starts getting letters in the mail of people saying, hey, I heard you're making this thing. I'll give you a dollar if you make me one, too. Yeah. And today, a dollar would be $27.88. Wow. That's a pretty good chunk of change. I mean, that's for a basic bra. That's about Yeah. I mean, I only have cheap bras. I'm not going to lie. So they're about that price. My days of buying like $70 bras are over. They're over. They're over. Yes. So then she has this like light bulb moment. It's like, Uh I am a businesswoman now. So she starts (laughs) making these and selling them. And then on February 12th, 1914, she goes to the patent office and is like, hey, I made this thing. Totally nailed it. Everybody loves it. Give me the patent. And they did. <laughs> Yay. I'm so She's, excited for her. I know. I did see a few things where they kind of went back and forth. I mean, like, this exists already. And she had to prove, like, no, it doesn't. And she explains that it is a new garment. And it extends far beyond fashion because it allowed women a freedom of movement, which they had not had. And then also, you know, separates the uniboob, which everybody mm-hmm. was really into. Yeah. Everybody was over this corset. Nobody likes a uniboob. So she opens the Fashion Form Brazier Company. And then Ooh. she marries this dude named Harry Crosby. Oh. This dude. Okay. So he decides now that her last name's going to be Crosby, she needs to change mm-hmm. her name to a C word <laughs> because he thinks it's going to sound better and that like I their names it. together are going to have like this weird crossover thing. So, okay. He suggested a word for her name. Do you have any idea? It starts with a C. Is it corset? Like corset? No. Is a it- little bit more. I don't want to say vulgar because I don't think it's vulgar. Is but I cunt? I think people. Did he say cunt? <laughs> no. But Did you want to name her cunt? Very close. Very close. <gasps> no. <You're> so close. <laughs> what? What? Like what could it be? Cunty? Like, are we trying to make a Q by adding a Y at the end? He did add a Y. He did add Shut a Y. Shut up. What is it? No, but oh it, my god. It's clitoris with a Y. <laughs> Clitoracy. Clitoris Crosby. And she's like, babe, no. And he's like, but it has a Y. She's like, You no. not know what this word means? Like, I know that like you know men in general have a hard time finding it but like yeah. you can't find it in a woman's name like this is not what yes. are you doing that's, that's not where it should be found nope 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 no. <laughs> so then he's like how about caress and she's like that's better than clitoris okay yeah <laughs> so- it's way better literally a cunt cunt would be better than clitoris <laughs> cunt is like one of the oldest words as far as swear words I think it's from like the 1300s. I'm pretty sure. Like it's or 1200s, 1200s. It's super old. Oh, I love it. So great. She settles with Caress and now her name is Caress Crosby. Excellent. Oh, but they let her like. (laughs) So then 
their second whippet dog, Clitoris. And he said it was after the Greek goddess. Come here, Clitoris. Come inside. It's time for breakfast. Let's go for a walk, Clitoris. At the dog park, you're calling your name Clitoris. Clitoris. I love that there's no sound in my house right now, and my husband's just sitting in the living room listening to this with no context. <laughs> just, <laughs> he's just yelling clitoris. I've just said clitoris like 30 times in a row, and he's probably oh like, what is wrong with what? her? What are you talking about? Who is this woman in my house right now? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh. I love it. But also, yes. can we pause? And talk about the major fucking red flag that that is. If a man asks you to change your name, even after you're married, run, divorce. What? Yeah. He he soups problematic. (laughs) I I didn't have time to touch on it, but it got weird. Like super weird. And there were some like, like lots of mistresses, lots of, um, pornography writing like it just like went a lot of places and i feel like i need to do like an extra episode just on these two people because wow you do you do and i want to be there (laughs) okay (laughs) i need to know oh dion in the comments i found it pointing at the dog (laughs) i'm making that a sticker (laughs) oh it needs to be god oh Oh, amazing. Okay. Amazing. Ooh. So eventually her husband, also another big red flag, is like, you don't need a job. I'm rich. Why do you want to have a job? Bras aren't doing so hot. Because of this uh-huh. time, flappers were all the rage. And oh, yeah. with the flappers, it was the goal to flatten your chest as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So it was back to those bands. So we did kind of like a full circle back to the Romans. Those band, mm-hmm. bando, <clears throat> bando, whatever, bras. Bando, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, you don't, you don't need a job. You're fine. So she's like, all right, I don't really need to do this. And she's not really upset about it. She's just like, all right, I'm going to go sell it. So she sells her patent mm-hmm. to the Warner Brothers corset company for $1,500. That is only, only $23,000 today. What? That is is insane (laughs) on so many levels $23,000 only yes I'm assuming that they took advantage of her and I'm assuming she knew because she seems like a very intelligent woman yeah and she just didn't care but is it because she's rich and then she married a rich husband yeah yeah pretty much like she didn't really care about the money and she never ever mentioned being pissed about it ever she's just like all right it happened whatever I'm done I'm over it but I would not let that go. <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. But I also wouldn't change my name to match my new last name. Yes. Like she's made some questionable life choices here. Like marrying a man whose first idea is clitoris for a name change. That's- exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's not great. Not a good look. Oh, my God. <laughs> So a few years later, about 1929, the bra business starts to take off. The corset was officially dead. And the Warner Brother Corset Company makes $15 million off her patent alone. Oh, my God. Is this the same Warner Brothers as like Warner Brothers Studio Warner Brothers? I was going to Google that and I forgot, but I'm not sure. Okay. I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) They probably had their fingers in a lot of stuff. So today, that is $232,000. Oh, 
thousand dollars. Million, not thousand, million dollars. <laughs> oh my god! I'm like, no, I heard million in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> it's like um, well, Austin Powers, like a thousand dollars. That's not a lot. One hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yes. So two hundred thirty-two million dollars. Gracious. In nineteen twenty-nine, offer of her patent. It's. I would be so pissed, but she again, had zero fucks. So she sold it, old news, but she did say once later, quote, I can't say the brassiere will ever take a great place in history as such a thing like the steamboat, but I did invent it. But I would argue that it might be more impressive than a steamboat. We have all seen a bra, yeah. everybody. Yeah. How many of us have seen mm-hmm. a steamboat in person? <laughs> like, you know? Never. Not a once. I mean, I Not have because I'm a hillbilly and they're really popular yeah. up there, but... Everybody need like has one. Everybody sees one. Everybody who's probably you know knows somebody who bought yeah. one. It seems yeah. to be a huge part of history. So I don't think she gave herself yeah. enough credit. No, no, not at all. Jeez, so after so cool. that, she goes on to opening a publishing company that published names like Hemingway and Edgar Allan Poe. Whoa! Look at this lady. Yeah. Oh and God. then she worked as a ghostwriter for a while. And then she decided to start writing some erotica. And it was apparently really good. She did really, really? well with it. Yeah. For it's like sure. never a dull moment with her. I and know. Again, I'm going to have to do more fun. research because just what I've touched on, I was just like, holy shit. That is amazing. Anyhow, just a few more bra facts and then I'm done. All right. So okay. in World War One, the corset kind of took a fatal blow. This is kind of when it just died. Yeah. U.S. War Industries Board called on women to stop buying them. So for the metal. And yeah. it freed up 28,000 tons of metal. Oh, my God. That's so much metal. That's, that's a lot of metal. That's a lot of metal. That was being used in corsets? Holy yeah. Man. So they took them from the corsets to, you know, make shit like. Planes <laughs> and ammunition and all that stuff. <laughs> this oh, plane what? brought you by corsets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so later, two New York dressmakers, William and Ida Rosenthal, started making bras for their clients and eventually went on to found Maiden Form. This was 1928. Oh my God. Yeah. And they're credited with introducing the letter sizing system. <gasps> oh. So that's a whole complicated oh. mess, too, that I don't think that I've is. ever quite understood. No, because you go to Victoria's Secret and they're like, you're a triple extra D. And I'm like, whoa, (laughs) really? (laughs) I don't think so, but thanks. (laughs) Yeah, I did the TikTok thing where they're like, this is how you do it. And it told me I was like E-cup. And I was like, there's no fucking way. This bra is perfect. And I was like, all Uh right, TikTok, whatever you say. I just don't Uh question it anymore. Right? (laughs) Cool. Whatever you say. So by World War II, necessity, again, played a large role in bra design. And undergarments were now becoming a standard issue for women who were enlisting in the military. So this is the first mm-hmm. time women were actually, you know, in uniform. And at the same time, Hollywood actresses who wore form-fitting sweaters were, you know, the sweater girls, bolstered the popularity of a new bra shape, the bullet or torpedo style cups. Yeah. Well, those are fun. And that's another fun thing I did in college. I got to do an exhibit of pinups. So a lot of those pinups had the, the bullet boobs, you know? Yeah. yeah. Back in the Dizzy, when I lived in America, I 
<laughs> I did some pinup stuff and I went to, we have the Air and Space, not Air and Space Museum, the, I forget what it is, the Warhawk Air Museum in oh, okay. Idaho. And they have a breakfast for veterans every year for Veterans Day or Memorial Day. I can't remember. And we would do like, we would serve the veterans that would come in actual World War One, World War Two, Vietnam War nurses and other uniforms, and oh, cool. we had the bras too. And one of the one of the bras that I got to wear one year was like fully bullet bra, and I was like, "Wow, yes. I've never felt more sexy in my whole life." <laughs> wow, I don't think I've ever seen one cool. in person. <laughs> It was like really delicate and there was a lady who like helped me put it on. It was really cool. That is really cool. It was awesome. It was oh, super, super cool. I love it. I dig that stuff. And then we start bringing in the busty figures like Marilyn Monroe who came back into fashion around 40s and 50s. And then Frederick Mellinger, Mellinger? Uh, Fredericks of Hollywood introduced the rising star bra, which is considered the first push-up bra. Nice. Rising stars. Rising stars. <laughs> <laughs> Rising star bra. <laughs> Man, so fun fact. When I was a teenager, I've always been really tall. And when yeah. I was a teenager, I was really awkward and I had no self-confidence and self-esteem or whatever. So my mom's like, let's go to modeling school, which was super fun. I absolutely loved it. But I had um, to have like really tall heels. So I bought them all from Fredericks of Hollywood because they have stripper <laughs> heels. And they also have a lot of like drag queens. So I had uh-huh. huge feet. And that was the only place I could find them. <laughs> oh, I love amazing. Those, I loved those shoes oh so much. And then oh. I think one of my yeah, my dog ate them and I was so mad. My my college dog. I was like, no. Oh, but yeah, you I've always did. had well, yeah, I'm six feet, so I have big feet. Are you? Yeah, I'm very like, tall. In my head, you're a tiny little lady. But oh, in, no. like <laughs> I just picture you as like a little thing. And you are not, I guess. I am not, I, okay. no. Can you guess how tall I am? Guess. Guess how tall uh, I am. 5'8". No. <laughs> I'm 5'2". What? I'm teeny. <laughs> I would make you feel like a tiny, tiny like, woodland creature next to you. My, my two best friends are both, like, glamazon women, and I'm, like, like, walking with them. <laughs> I think that very tall My person, all their friends are really tiny. Oh, so yeah, exactly. Super tall. So yeah, when I did that, there, you had to practice walking like six inch heels or taller. You must have been like a like a beautiful gazelle, just like I with your long like legs. It. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm so jealous. In hindsight, uh, they were like the modeling schools that were just completely mm-hmm. ripoffs, you know, just taking oh, the really? money. But I love yeah, that. Yeah. It was so much fun. That's so cool. Oh, man. So not surprisingly, the post-war baby boom also led to a production of maternity bras. So the oh. 50s, first time you had a maternity bra. And it was made for breastfeeding. And the first patented nursing bra was developed in 1943. But it wasn't until 1991 when cup sizes changed with them. And it had like a one-handed or one-handed unlatching method. So that was invented by female designer Mary Sanchez. And then that concept really gained steam. And specialized nursing bras have also been developed for mothers who pump. So you can have your pump on in your bra. And I guess that's just, I don't have children, but that just sounds like it's probably a great invention if you need that. I'm just a dog mom. (laughs) Yeah, cat mom. I have seven elementary school children. That's enough oh. for me. So, <laughs> yeah. 
Good to go. Elementary school teacher. I see them for a fixed amount of time and then I leave. So now we're entering the 60s, which is a wild time. So it's very, on one hand, you have the hippie-led broad-burning rebellions. And then on the other hand, you have the development of things like the Wonder Bra. And it was this plunging push-up style. It had over 50 different elements that worked to lift, enhance, shape. It changed the female bust dramatically. It was estimated that one Wonder Bra it was sold every 15 seconds. Get out These of were here. so popular. That's just That's crazy. So cool. That is yeah. crazy. And it was first invented in Canada, which I did not know. And then it you came into prominence Canada. in the UK and then finally mm-hmm. in the US. In the UK, their little advertising was, hello, boys. <laughs> That's it? Yeah. Hello, boys. <laughs> I just love that. It was like, it's so <laughs> cheeky. And I'm like, well, I guess. I guess. <laughs> Well, yeah, maybe <laughs> those those cheeky titties. What are you doing? <laughs> so then, Roy Raymond found a Victoria's Secret in 1977 after an uncomfortable trip to buy underwear for his wife. His vision was a store where both men and women could feel comfortable shopping for lingerie. That's funny because now there's like memes where boyfriends or husbands or whatever are like standing outside of Victoria's Secret, like just all like on their phones and whatever while their significant others shop and stuff like that. Your dream did not come true, dude. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry to tell you. In the 1977, also competitive sports bras were created. So we did have those ancient breastbands, you know, from the Greeks that were Mm -hmm. technically sports bras, but they weren't officially developed until 1977. So three women working in a costume department at the University of Vermont's theater program invented it. And they called it the jog bra. Oh, that's interesting. And it was to support boob havers during physical exercise, Mm -hmm. which is great. Because again, super painful. Super (laughs) painful. Flopping around. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so a little more than two decades later, U.S. soccer star Brandy Chastain tore off her jersey in celebration of her World Cup winning goal. And it was a memorable moment because it was the first time that it exposed her now famous Nike sports bra. Nice. And now you see that image all the time, like athletes mm-hmm. just working out in sports bra. But yeah. that must have been yeah. like a clutch pearls moment. Right. Like, oh, no. What are you doing? Put that her away. Her garments. <laughs> <laughs> Ma'am. Please. <laughs> we do not need this. Yeah. And so in the recent decades, very, very recent history, the size of the women's breast has actually increased very dramatically. And companies are starting to introduce new sizes like J, K, and double K. Wow. But yeah, I've seen people on TikTok like Fs and like, yeah, there's big sizes. And I, I mean, I'm not. I'm kind of a conspiracy theorist, but I think it's probably because mm-hmm. our generations were raised on hormone-filled meats and milks. So I'm sure that's helped. <laughs> true, true. Especially like hormonal-wise, you know, like uh-huh. menstruation starts so much earlier and yeah. development starts so much earlier. And-, and it just goes straight to the boobies, I guess. Yeah. And I don't know anybody my age that doesn't have something wrong with them. So I think there was something literally in the water. In, yeah. 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 Like everybody has an autoimmune disease that I know. <laughs> just mm-hmm. everybody. Everybody <laughs> that I went to school with, like in their 30s, like we're all falling apart. I'm like, thanks, milk. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> milk. <laughs> Fucked us up. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, especially like growth hormones and all, like everything we ate. I, 
I yeah. imagine it probably did not help. So, I, there is know. a non-zero chance that it uh, did. <laughs> yeah. I feel like. And so. the last evolution of bras is the adhesive bras. So now you have the pasty things. You have mm-hmm. those little rabbits that pull it up or the boot yeah. tape. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen like. I think Kim Kardashian has boob tape. And mm-hmm. I think I watched a thing like, I'm like, I just don't think normal boobs are going to tape up no. the way that you're showing me because no, <laughs> just gravity, no. Just gravity. <laughs> and they're not like, they have a mind of their own. And I feel like molding, like molding my boobie into yeah. a tape thing would just like, I, I feel like it would look lumpy and there would yeah. be parts of squidge out of the tape (laughs) (laughs) and i know like some new bra companies are catering to because everybody with a boob or a poop boob with a single Uh, boob (laughs) (laughs) the uniboob but yeah everybody has different sizes you know like that's just how they work that's what they come in you know natural boobs are different sizes so that's the new thing i've seen i think third love and all them they have the two different sizes you can get and but i think it's cool now that like companies are catering to functionality again and yeah right comfort Uh uh-huh all that fancy stuff's very uncomfortable. And corsets yeah. are in again. People have corsets. They are. And they really enjoy them. And, you know, if you like to cosplay, those are super, uh-huh. super cool. So I know TikTok I should. making me want to buy one. I know. Like, I shit on corsets, but they are cute. So <laughs> They are cute as hell. And I'm like, I see all these, like, zillennials. I'm like, mm, maybe <laughs> I should get his corset. And then I'm like, Taya, you live in Japan. What are you going to do? What are you? Gonna I do mean, TikTok is already fashion is different. Me. I've already <laughs> bought a crown on TikTok. So, I mean. It's I love next. it. I, I know. Well, I think it. also you can still get corsets that don't have, you know, well bone and like the metal yeah. is more movable i don't think they're yeah. as dangerous i mean some if you want the historically accurate which some people do mm-hmm. and they tighten them as tight as they used to but i don't think you have yeah. to like break your ribs anymore hopefully yeah. i hope nobody does that that seems like it'd be really painful <laughs> yeah. so but they have like the instead of laces a lot of them just have the hook and eyes and stuff so oh yeah be, maybe less dangerous i don't know yeah Anyway, that's bras. <laughs> Yay, bras. That was fascinating. Thank I know. you. Who knew? I was so excited about it. It started out as like a joke. I was like, I can make some uh-huh. jokes. And I was like, man, this is actually really cool. <laughs> that is fascinating. And right. I'm so thankful for the sports bra because I wear one on the daily, chasing oh, around little seven year olds. Oh my God. They're, I mean, I'm wearing one right now, sports bra. <laughs> It's so my great. go-to. I enjoy them. Same. They're more comfortable. Yeah. I just, yeah. But can awesome. you imagine it was the 70s before those came around? Yeah. That's bananas. How did people work out? Oh, I just, I would imagine having to strap them down or tape or something. That seems to be what <laughs> popped up is just like their equivalent of tape or like bandages, you know. Yeah. Binding as much as you can. Down. Mm. Gosh, it's so interesting. Well, we are going to take a, a huge departure from the bra. <laughs> huge departure with my topic. We're talking about more modern history. And in fact, okay, no, that's a spoiler. So I'm not going to say it. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to say it. All right. So do you remember the floppy disk? Mm-hmm. Okay. Excellent. I'm old. You, 
<laughs> Same. I'm an I'm an elder millennial. <laughs> an elder millennial. Yeah. I'm a I'm a middle child millennial. Like I'm not quite an elder, but I'm up there. So do you know who the inventor of floppy disks was? I don't. Or is? There is an ongoing debate on whether IMD IMDB, IM IMB, the <laughs> IBM. Yes, IBM. You got there. <laughs> IBM. Or this Japanese man named Yoshihiro Nakamatsu invented. But if you ask Yoshihiro Nakamatsu, he definitely invented it. And he invented it, in fact, in 1959, right after the war. Yes. Mm -hmm. This man is probably one of the most interesting inventors ever. So he claims to have invented the floppy disk as well as Literally thousands of other inventions. And if you meet him, one of the first things that he'll mention is that Thomas Edison has 1,900, no, 1,093 patents, Mm -hmm. but he has 3,770 patents. And the thing that makes him different is that he's still alive and Thomas Edison is dead. And that is (laughs) I know. What a firecracker. (laughs) Oh, he is. He is. So Yoshiro Nakamatsu, I'll tell you about him first. So he was the son of a banker and he lived in, oh, so sorry. His father's name was Hajime Nakamatsu and he was a teacher. And then his mother, Yoshino Nakamatsu, was also a teacher. And they both gave him education from a really early age. They were starting to teach him physics and chemistry and astronomy and all sorts of things that normally wouldn't be taught to kids in regular Japanese schools during this time. He was a child during World War II, and he remembers all of these, and he says that it really influenced his inventing. He also went to university at Tokyo or University of Tokyo, which is like the Harvard, the Ivy League of Japan. So he's a smart guy, super, super smart guy. And his first invention was when he was 14 years old. He saw his mom struggling to pour kerosene into a bottle um, for lights and the stove and everything else. She had this giant case of kerosene and was just spilling it all over the place. So he legitimately invented at 14 years old, has a patent and everything, this siphon that's still used today for not only gasoline, but also um, soy sauce, mostly soy sauce and different cooking liquids. I don't have one because I don't transfer large Costco quantities of shoyu uh, soy sauce into uh, a tiny little bottle. (laughs) So... (laughs) But my in-laws have this siphon in their house for their electric heaters or gas heaters. And that is his first actual legitimate invention. And then... Wow. That's impressive. At 14? I know, right? Super impressive. But the impressiveness doesn't stop there. It continues. (laughs) In 19... Like I said, uh, 19... Oh, I'm sorry. 1952... Dr. Nakamatsu says that he invented the conceptual idea of a floppy disk because he was upset about listening to records and having them be scratchy, like 
records and stuff. And he said he looked out his window and there were two butterflies flapping their wings. And he was like, I shall call this the floppy disk. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) Right? So interesting. But IBM is like, nah, man, we developed this patent in 1969. Like it was us. We actually invented the thing itself. But there was a bunch of disputes. And eventually IBM made a contract with Dr. Nakamats to be in some commercials and have some, get some money from floppy disk inventions. Oh, okay. And yeah. So that's where the normalcy stops and the, uh, the weird shit begins. Oh yeah. I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. So there was a documentary that came out called the inventing of Dr. Mutz. And in this, you really get to see, the up close and personal life of Dr. Nakamatsu and people knew that he was weird before this, but not this level of weird. So first (laughs) I'm going to tell you, (laughs) yeah, I know. I'm I'm so excited. (laughs) I'll tell you about his inventions first, just to kind of give you a a taste of, of what this man was doing. So his actual legitimate invention of the siphon and his legitimate invention of the floppy disk. And after that, he created things like the self-defense wig, which is a wig with a ninja shooting star in it. And if you you feel threatened, all you have to do, there's a string that comes down here and you can just and whip people in in the face with your self-defense wig. Oh my gosh, can you get that on Amazon? Uh, I don't know, but we should look it up. (laughs) So the self-defense wig. And he also has, uh, any 90s kids will remember, do you remember moon shoes? Yeah. So he invented these things called pyongpyong shoes. And pyongpyong is the Japanese word for like bouncing. It's the onomatopoeia for bouncing, like pyongpyongpyong. Oh, yeah. So he invented these shoes that were attached to things that looked like ski boots. And yeah, he invented the Pyongyang shoes. And people loved the shit out of them here in Japan. And I personally want a pair so very badly. Oh, but you can purchase them. I know, right? That's incredible. The He's name in- alone is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some amazing names. So you have the self-defense wig, the pyom pyom shoes, and then you have the love jet. Oh, oh, do tell. Would you would you like to take a guess as to what the love jet is? Love jet. Love jet. Okay. Almost afraid. Is it maybe like a jacuzzi thing? Like a jet for a tub? Am I going? Nope. No, it's way weird. Way off. Way weird. Way off. I have no idea. Never going to get it. You're never going to get it. I will not. No. So the love jet. Japan has a severe declining birth rate. And Dr. Nakamatsu thinks that it is because people just aren't horny anymore. Just not even. He's like, people aren't horny. (laughs) Right? He was like, I need to save my country. Yeah. So I'm going to invent the love jet, which is a kind of Viagra that is supposed to be like a hundred times more potent than Viagra. And it's a spray. You spray oh. it. It's a drink version too. You either drink it, you spray it. 
and it makes people really horny. He tested it on 50,000 people in the United States and Japan. And he said, nobody, nobody came back saying that they didn't like it. Everybody loved it. And his claim to it working so well is that an American couple wrote him a letter telling him that the love jet invention was the best thing since apple pie. Oh, oh. <laughs> that is incredible. Is it like do we know what it, it is? Is it like a pheromone or is it it's a, it's a mix of herbs? And pheromones, and yeah, I think that's that's about it—a mix of herbs and pheromones. But he won't divulge what exactly is in it because it's, you know, super too powerful, too powerful for the world. Yes, it is too powerful for the world. I don't think that you can. <laughs> I know, I don't think you can buy it anymore. But on eBay, there are people that are selling it as like a collector's item. Oh, oh yeah, I need to oh, Google yeah. this. <laughs> Love Jet. <laughs> That's incredible. Total little side thing. You watch The Daily Show or yes. have you watched? Okay. So Trevor Noah yeah. is just incredible. Mm-hmm. He was talking about the census and the birth rate is down in the United States right now. And he was he was talking about the reasons why. And he's like, probably this photo. And it's Ted Cruz and his new mullet. <laughs> I was like, Ted it's Cruz true. And Love Jet. <laughs> it's, a, it's a boner killer. Just it's Ted Cruz. It is. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, what did we got next? (laughs) So the next invention is called the Cerebrex. The Cerebrex, all right? And the Cerebrex is just a lazy boy chair with a curtain around your whole head. It cools your head and it warms up your feet because Dr. Nakamatsu thinks that can't think of ideas when your brain is hot, but you need to have warm feet to circulate the blood in your body because blood circulation is really important. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense because a lot of Eastern medicine really falls into that. He's all about that. Yeah. Finding the best way for your body to be in the prime inspiration zone. What? And these are like not the only inventions. He he, he has like, what did I, 3,770 patents. And that's the last time I checked. That's how many patents he has. So how does this man come up with so many patents, you ask? Great question. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Nakamatsu, or Sir Dr. Nakamatsu, as he likes to refer to himself. Oh, did he knight himself? (laughs) He did knight himself. Yes! He He said that the king of the Maldives uh, knighted him, but... The the Moldi the the royal family on several occasions has been like, no, the fuck we didn't, man. <laughs> and he's like, yes, you did. You don't remember. And so now he just calls himself Sir Dr. Nakamatsu. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I want to be on his level. <laughs> I know. Just wait. Okay. Just wait. Wait for it. Dr. Nakamatsu has... His own invention home, which helps facilitate his inventing, okay? Mm -hmm. And his home is on Dr. Nakamatsu Street, 
which lies in the area of Dr. Nakamatsu Square. And there's a Dr. Nakamatsu Avenue for everyone else to live on in that area. This is legit. It's in Tokyo. You can Google Maps it. It's a real thing. Yeah. And he just made it himself. He didn't ask anybody. He was like, (laughs) this is, he made it. He just, there you go. Yeah. No, there was no zoning. There was nothing. No, nothing oh. governmental involved. He created the sign himself. He had somebody put the sign in there and he just did it. Oh, and I love that. It's just it. nobody stopped him. That's nobody. what's amazing. Right? He's right. just living his life and we're all just invited to watch him go. It's incredible. It is. He is the most amazing, ridiculous man I've ever met in my life. So I've never met him. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was about to say, what? <laughs> yeah, but surprise. <laughs> I met him. <laughs> so when you walk into Dr. Nakamatsu's house, his gate is a floppy disk. It's a floppy disk, a giant oh, floppy disk. Of course. Why wouldn't it be? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you walk in and his house is... Picture a mad scientist's house. This is his house. Like a mad scientist with a lot of fucking money. This man has so much money. I don't know how it's possible. Within his house, he has four separate rooms that he goes to for his inspiration. Okay. Let me tell you about the first room, which is oh, my favorite room. I cannot wait. It's the wait. bathroom. <laughs> the bathroom is his favorite and he goes in there. The toilet is golden. Just Google Dr. Nakamatsu golden toilet. You will oh. see it. Oh, oh, it is amazing. Okay, hold do on. Do you see it? I do. <laughs> oh, he's adorable. <laughs> Isn't he so cute? Look well, at it. <laughs> that is very gold. <laughs> it is gold. So there's a reason behind it being gold, apparently. So he spends most of his time inventing in this room because the gold plating blocks all waves, cell phone waves, microwaves, radio waves, everything. And he sits on the toilet. He says the best time to invent is between 12 and 4 a.m. So imagine this cute little old man with his notepad, no pants, sitting on the toilet, (laughs) writing down (laughs) his inventions. No pants. pants. (laughs) Because he does. He's like, I need to simulate me actually going to the bathroom, even though I'm not going to the bathroom. And I'm just thinking, does he have hemorrhoids? Because I isn't mean, right? Don't don't doesn't that happen when yeah, you sit so. on the toilet for too long? I know Anyways, I've heard that. Yeah, for sure. That's and a Freudian thing too, probably. Yes. Oh yes, that seems some anal phase thing. He definitely he's got some something. He's got a little some some because let <laughs> I me mean, look at him. <laughs> <laughs> Standing in his golden bathroom that he sits in between the hours of 12 and 4. Because that's when the best inventing is done. And he says, while everyone else is sleeping, I'm thinking. Oh. Yes. Yeah. And it's amazing. So he sits in his golden toilet. And if that doesn't work, then he goes to his other room, which is his inspiration room. And it's actually a tiny elevator within his house. And in this elevator, 
Beethoven's Symphony Number no. 5 is constantly playing in this elevator. And so he goes into this elevator and just sits there and thinks. And oh. it's amazing. Yeah. Wow. And that's how he gets inspiration. Hubby well, is that's back. cool. I, <laughs> I listen to film scores and classical music to think. That's how I write my notes and stuff. So right. I, that. I know. Same. Like, so he he invented the floppy disk while he was listening to this symphony number no. five. And so from that point on, he was like, this is the penultimate music for inventing. Oh, hard relate. I wrote my thesis listening to the game of Thrones uh, soundtrack. <laughs> <And> now <laughs> it is like my ultimate when I need to be like in the zone. I listen. I that that's my favorite composer, but yeah, I, that's, that's what I do. Like. It's the same songs that yes. remind me of my brilliance. So mm-hmm. I feel yeah. you, man. Exactly. So that's what I that's the thing that makes this guy so cool is like he's so unrelatable yet so relatable at the same time. It's so interesting. That's true. He calls himself a cross between Steve Jobs and Leonardo da Vinci. (gasps) Yes. That's that's amazing. Yeah, it is super cool. And that's a really cool combination of Mm -hmm. inventors. Yeah. He's awesome. So the next room in his house is where his Cerebrex, the lazy boy thing where it covers your face and warms up your feet. That's where that is in his house. So there's the third room with the Cerebrex and he spends some time in there. The last room is his dive tank. Oh, yes. Where he goes when he needs, like when all the other rooms fail, he goes to the dive tank to get his last little bits of inspiration. And he takes his waterproof notebook and waterproof pencil that he invented down under the water tank. And he makes himself stay under the water until he says 0.05 seconds before he dies. (gasps) Yes. And then he writes down... Right. That's a little risky, sir. Super risky. <laughs> yeah, there he is. There he is. You see him? <laughs> what? In the- oh, my. Oh, my. And this dive tank is in his home. So he goes there between the hours of midnight and 4 a.m. Wow. To so do he's inventing. doing some, like, serious brain Olympics here. Like, serious himself oxygen, the stimulation, the mm-hmm. music. I mean, all of this is just different methods of really messing with your brain (laughs) exactly exactly and it doesn't stop there it doesn't it's amazing so he believes that people shouldn't sleep for more than six hours he says that alcohol tea milk and tap water are bad for the brain and they should be avoided at all costs. He says coffee is also very dangerous. Oh. He only eats one meal a day, which he thinks is the optimal amount times to eat, and that the meal should be low in oil and no more than 700 calories. Okay, he lost me there. I know. I get on board with almost everything. It's right. <laughs> And this As is where I the drink departure coffee. coffee. <laughs> right. <laughs> at 10.54 you- at night, I'm drinking my iced coffee. So. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Anxious. Anxiety who? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> yes, I hear colors. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so would you like to know what he eats in a day? 
Okay, I do. That's I would love to. Doesn't seem like you could get enough nutrition in that little calories and only once a day. Oh yeah. Well, this is what he eats. He it consists of a single serving of pureed seaweed, cheese, yogurt, even though he said milk is bad for the brain. Can we yeah. just Okay, yeah, a little disconnect there. <laughs> yeah, right there. Mhm. Mhm. And so yogurt, eel, eggs, beef, dried shrimp, and chicken livers. He seasons his food with a concoction that he made himself called Dr. Nakamatsu's Rebody 55, which is a dietary supplement comprising of 55 grains and several mystery ingredients. And it's ideal for sprinkling sprinkling on top of soup or cereal, he says. Okay. Okay. I love Mm -hmm. that he has his full name and everything. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And so his name is... Nakamatsu, Nakamatsu. So there's an SU at the end, but he decided that it sounds better to have eight letters in your name, but he is, so he just took off the U, but he insists that you say Dr. Nakamatsu. Okay. Well, that makes sense when I was Googling because the U wasn't there. (laughs) Yes. No, the U is not there. The U is not there. Even though his name is Kanji, so there's no there's no you in it at all. It's just, it's it's interesting. He's an interesting man. <laughs> he is. I he love is. him. He is. And his meal, like, I guess, I mean, I guess there's some nutrition, but it just doesn't seem like enough to get enough. Right? Yeah. You are not the only person to think this. So Dr. Nakamatsu has been taking pictures of every single meal that he eats for the last 44 years. Oh, wow. Every- that means, like, legit cameras. Uh huh. Wow. He had to develop those photos. <laughs> right. And, and this is just like a little side note, but he loves collecting cameras, not because he loves photography, but because he just likes cameras. Mm-hmm. And the way that he decides which camera is the best is he smells them. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is in the documentary, and you can find it on Amazon. And I highly recommend you watch this documentary because it's oh, amazing. I will. I will. This dude is intriguing. Yeah. He's fantastic. He's been taking a picture of every single meal he has sent for the last 44 years. And he's been documenting, trying to investigate the links between eating habits and intelligence. And this earned him an IG Nobel Prize, which what is that? So the the IG Nobel Prize is kind of like a sarcastic prize awarded annually since 1991 to celebrate 10 unusual or trivial achievements in scientific research. And it's... Its aim is to honor achievements that first make people laugh and then make people think. Oh, yeah. So he in 2005. I know, right? (laughs) I know. I was like, hell yeah. Right. (laughs) So he got this in, he got this in 2005 for his research in connections with food and intelligence, which is amazing. I mean, I buy that because a lot of things you eat and the nutrition brain chemistry that's all it is so i i yeah. get that but it mm-hmm. still just seems like his body would be like starving and not 
right be his elite self you know exactly but here is the thing so his diet and the way he lives his life is probably actually saving his life so unfortunately in 2013 he was diagnosed with a really really severe type of colon cancer and yes the doctors this was in 2013 and the doctors were like you you at best, you have a year to live. And he took it as a challenge. So he's invented a tea to help stop the cancer. He's invented a new type of like dietary system. And he's also invented a song that is supposed to heal your cells and cure you from cancer. You know, now none of these have patents, right? But I believe him. I feel... Like, if anybody else said that, I'd be like, okay, sure, (laughs) whatever. But I feel like I believe him. But also, 2013, like, colon cancer is one of the most rapid, like, developing and one of the most deadly right behind, what what is it, pancreas is the most? Yeah, pancreatic cancer. Mm -hmm. Wow. But you know what? him. He's still alive. In his little tank? In his, in his little tank, <laughs> in his golden bathroom yeah. in 2013, they were like, you have a year to live. And he was like, no, fuck you. I'm going to live until 144 years old. That's when he thinks he's going to live to. He was like, when I'm 143, then I'm going to worry about dying. But right now I'm not even I'm not a little bit worried about it. Again, I believe him. I feel I like if anybody can do it, it's him. And he looks it good. Is. He like how old is he? He does. He's 92 years old now. Get out. Yeah, 92 years old. And he's still inventing and he's still doing things. He's he was traveling. In 2018, he went to the States because one museum, I can't remember the name of the museum, but they were honoring him and his inventions and they put all of his patents and inventions in, in a exhibit. And he went there and he has like a cult following. People love the shit out of this man. Oh, I can see why. I know what. A, there's no way this guy is in his nineties. Yeah. 92 this, years old. He he's yeah. He's figured it out. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He I take back everything has. I said. <laughs> <laughs> Look so at cool. him. He looks so Look young. Doesn't he? He absolutely has it figured out. And so he keeps inventing. Like I said, he invented the new type of tea, the song, the new diet for cancer. And he's still going. He's still kicking. He says the thing that keeps him alive is that he needs to make more inventions in order to make the world a happier, better place. Oh, bless his heart. That's sweet. Oh, I just love him. (laughs) I want him to be my grandpa. (laughs) I know, right? He's so cute. Weird as all get out, but just the cutest old man. Does he have any family? Does he have? He does. He has three kids, and but he's not very close with them. <laughs> well, a lot of so, people that are like geniuses tend to yeah. not be great with the family. Mm-hmm. He's been married, I think, twice or three times and uh, ha- hasn't worked out. He's got three kids. They – he – oh, my God. In the documentary, he calls them – his failed and uh, his failed inventions and i was like oh shit don't don't say that that's mean oh, oh no <laughs> i know 
yeah no that makes sense like like bill murray i love him but he's had a Mm. lot of failed marriages and his kids you know some of them aren't so close but you know he's a genius sometimes people just can't handle it can't can't handle having a family and being a genius at the same time so or like some people are just some really big heavy personalities (laughs) sometimes they just don't yeah and he is oh my god go on youtube look at some of his things and he he's amazing but he also loves the smells of his own farts like how The audacity of someone to just be like, yeah, I'm knighted. The king of the Maldives knighted me. And then for the actual person to be like, no, we didn't. We didn't knight I just seem to be like, go away. Shut, 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 up. shut up. Shut up. Right? Yes, you did. And but it's like, it's his life is the most amazing combination of things that actually happened and things that he just made up. So the American Science Association actually did recognize him as one of the top five inventors of the world, like including Mary Curie. Um, what's the Greek guy? Like in Aris- oh. no, Ar- Archimedes. No, who's that? Oh. Yeah. Archimedes. I don't remember. Yeah. Marie Greek Curie. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <Nobody cares. laughs> it's usually like the one thing everybody knows is Greek history. And I'm like, right. I don't know. I don't know Greek history. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, so he he was actually awarded the top five most influential inventors in the world by the American Science Association. So there's oh, this cool. amazing mix of things that actually happened and shit that he just invented. So that's incredible. Yeah. I like he's him. He's super curious cool and trick, but like a genius. He is. Yes, he's right. amazing. Wow, that is so cool. I'm so glad I know about him. I'd never heard of him. I hadn't heard of him until I was like, weird Japanese inventors. And then, like, he popped up and I was like, excellent. Excellent. Absolutely. But yeah, that's Before- so incredible to be. Everybody talks about Edison. Like, he is one of the most, as far as like heavy patents and stuff. But this guy's mm-hmm. doubled that. More yeah. than doubled. More than doubled it. And he's not even dead yet. So, yeah, they should definitely mention that in the footnotes when people are going off about how incredible Thomas Edison is. Yeah, he's right. Is too, so, right. That is the story of Sir Dr. Nakamatsu. And I hope that you enjoyed it. I just can't get over. Like, he decided one day I'm going to be mm-hmm. a knight. And I'm going to name everything after me. And you know what? Nobody's yeah. going to tell me no. So let's just do this. And, and nobody has yet. <laughs> yeah. It's like he created the life he wanted and took it and just didn't yeah. let anybody tell him no. No. He that fully manifested. Super inspirational. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. good. I'm so excited. Thank you. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you liked it. I hope everybody listening enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've got for you. That's all. That's all she wrote. I know. Incredible. Especially since you're in Japan right now. Yeah. It's super cool. Existing there. Tomorrow. Just existing in Japan. Yeah. Tomorrow. <laughs> in the future. I'm in the future. <laughs> that is so wild to me. Time zones are so mm-hmm. Time wild. zones are weird. Yeah. Why, is, why does the sun do what it does? <laughs> this has been so much fun. You are a delight. And I've had just oh. a blast. Thank you. I'm so glad. Again, thank you. Oh, my cat thanks you as well. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
Thank you so much for having me on. I love this. Everything about it was so fun. Having people in the comments was amazing. Everybody's so supportive. You are just a gem. Anytime, anytime you want to chat, I'm so up for it. It was wonderful. And I'm so glad to meet all your patrons. Yeah, it was just fantastic. They I just really I are. love how they excited are. people are to see the comments. It's like my favorite part because we're like, I never get to do this. <laughs> I never get to no, talk. No, yeah. <laughs> you just, it's just me, like with my microphone and my laptop, and I'm like hiding underneath a blanket, like trying. <laughs> like, I'm like a troll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I the love the, the energy of having like it's a live show every time, so it's just really yeah. cool energy. And it before we so go, cool. uh, tell everybody yeah. how to find the podcast. So you can find my podcast. My main thing is Instagram um, for the love of underscore history podcast. I always post on there. There's a bunch of fun stuff. I've got a lot of today in history. Every episode has a corresponding post where you can see pictures and things. I'm also a little bit on Twitter um, (laughs) and that's a little bit on Twitter at for the love of H.I.S. three. Yeah, because for the love of history was taken. Um, (laughs) (laughs) On my Instagram, there is a link tree in my bio. You can find me on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts. Anywhere you put podcasts into your ear holes, I am there. So (laughs) take a listen anywhere and feel free to send me a DM anytime. I love hearing from people. It's my absolute favorite thing ever. So send me, send me a DM on Instagram anytime. Uh, Email is for the love of history, 2020 at gmail.com. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I love DMs too. And then I always answer back really fast and everybody's like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm just like uh, I really enjoy this so you want to talk to me Have yeah to talk to you. come on a little strong it's fine you'll get used to it <laughs> me too <laughs> I know especially like new Patreon I'm just like you'll get used to me because I'm just like ah thank you <laughs> like email and I'm like, yeah it's yeah it's a lot I'm just excited you're lot. here <laughs> cannot contain all my excitement Exactly. Man. Well, you have a great day. And thank enjoy. you so much. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. It was so nice to see you. I want to thank my guest, Taya, from the For the Love of History podcast again for joining me. I had such a fun time. You were so funny. And I am just so happy that I now know about this cute little old man who invents so many cool things. And I just also feel that I need to live my life the way I want to live it. And if anybody is like, you can't do that, just ignore them. Just like him. You ready for some shameless plugs? All right, let's go. If you'd like to watch these episodes live, comment along and talk to my guests, join Patreon. That's patreon.com slash historical AF pod. And you can watch all these episodes that have already happened. So you get the bloopers, you get all the deleted scenes, you get all the chats before and after the episodes. You also get lots of benefits, perks, things in the mail, higher tiers get gifts. There's just a lot going on. You should definitely check that out. So my husband's doing car things. This was great timing. (laughs) And speaking of Patreon, I have some shout outs today. I'm so excited that Rachel has rejoined the fam. I 
can't tell you how excited I am and how much I squealed that you were back. Rachel, if you guys remember, was on a mini gab and she is soon to be a full ass priest too. So I just am so proud of you for one, just how amazing you're doing in seminary. And I'm just so excited to have you back and to see everything going on. Can't wait to see what the future holds. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the support. It means so much. You've been so incredibly kind and wonderful. Next up is my mom. My mom increased her pledge. And listen, my mom gets everything for free. And I tell her everything that I'm going to do anyway, because she's my mom. And she just wants to support me, which made me cry because it just means so much to me. My mom has been forced to listen to my weird history shit my whole life. And now she like voluntarily listens to the podcast and supports me on Patreon. I just can't tell you how much it means to me. How incredibly lucky I am to have that kind of support. So thank you, mom. Mom's now a prolific AF patron. And she's so cute because I'm like, hey, mom, now that you're this tier, you get a quarterly gift. And this was the gift this quarter. And what do you want? And she's like, I don't need that unless you really want to give it to me. <laughs> so, of course, I'm going to be bringing her a mason jar that says I like history and maybe three people. And I'm really excited about it. And last but not least, it even revved up the engine for you. <laughs> Nancy, thank you so much for joining the Patreon fam. I cannot wait to get to know you more. I'm so excited that you're here. I did a little happy dance when the little notification popped up that you had joined Patreon. And my husband looked at me like I was going crazy. And I was like, you don't understand, dude. I just got a new member of my little family. So I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so thankful for the support and just so thankful for all the love that you guys send my way on Patreon. It means so much. And again, if you want to join the fam, and I know I say that and it sounds really lame, but for real, we are genuinely friends. We are genuinely family. If you'd like to send me a story for this month's Extra AF, I'd really appreciate it. I want to hear about your favorite historical nuggets, your favorite places. Seriously, husband? Does anybody else have to deal with this? This is the race car wife life. <laughs> anyway. Anywho. Also, if your town has a cool legend, a cool historical story, do you have a cool thing in your genealogy? Is your house haunted? Are you going to haunted places? Please tell me. I want to be haunted so badly that I think the entire paranormal world has gotten together to say no. <laughs> so. I'm going to live vicariously through you. And I was really thrilled the last time I was like, I want to hear about aliens. And I got an alien story. If anybody has another one, I totally want to hear it. Because I believe in aliens. I just don't think they built pyramids. The hill I'll die on. Follow me on social media. That's historical AF pod at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And there you can get pictures. You can see what's going on. You get updates on things like merch sales. Like one coming up this week on May 13th through the 16th. 20% off everything at shop.spreadshirt.com slash historical AF pod. And there's some new designs. It's really exciting. You should check it out. For everything else, things like sponsorships and affiliate stuff, you can go to linktr.ee slash historical AF pod and check that out. And finally, I just want to say a huge thank you. I've been pretty vocal about how shitastic my last month and so month or so has been. And if you follow me on TikTok, which you know you should at Kaylian, I've been really open about my mental health and just being depressed and just stressed out and a lot of stuff. And I have been getting so many lovely letters and postcards and gifts and care packages in the PO box. And I can't tell you how much it means. I'm normally just blubbering as I'm walking out of the post office because it's just such an incredible 
incredible amount of love coming my way. And I don't know what I did to deserve so much love, but I just want, I just really hope that you guys know how much it means to me and how special every single one of you are. I have set up my office now. So all the gifts and cards and letters and everything is surrounding me while I'm working. And now if you're on Patreon and you're watching the videos, you can see everything behind me now. I'm just, I'm just so happy. You guys bring me joy even in the dark times when I don't, when it's all dark and twisty and I don't see a lot of light, you guys make sure there's light in my life. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are the best. Hey, look, the car noises went away right as we're ending. (laughs) I'll see you guys next week with Spies Part 1 with special guest Nicholas, who is a real ass spy. I don't know if I can call him a spy. I don't know. He does spy shit. So I'm super excited. The episode was so funny. You guys are going to love it. I'll see you then. Okay, bye.